Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Do you ever think that your life would be nearly perfect except for the 8 or 12 or 25 people who have ruined it? And what are the chances that someone else is walking planet Earth right now thinking that their life would be nearly perfect if you hadn't have caused them so much pain? Friends, relationships have the capacity to be one of the greatest sources of joy in our lives, but they also have the power to inflict some of the deepest pain we have ever known. Tracking? Sometimes it's the, because the little things add up over the months and the years, At other times, it's because of what they did to you in a single moment or because of what you did to them in a single moment. And you're so done with them or they are so over you. And at that point in time, it seems like there's an irrevocable death sentence over the relationship. Has anyone experienced this before? And in the beginning, we just kind of hate them, don't we? Like, you're the pastor. I'm just shooting straight. In the beginning, we just hate them. But we know we have to move on and can't be obsessed with what they did to us or how we feel about them. So here's what we do. Sometimes we just start pretending like they don't even exist. At other times, we tell ourselves that, oh, I wasn't really hurt that bad. Relational hurt tends to follow a pattern. The thing goes down, and in the beginning, a grudge starts to grow in your heart, and then bitterness starts setting in. And friends, what started as righteous anger eventually becomes the kind of anger that grips your entire life. And you start craving, and I start craving things like revenge and retaliation, But no matter how much they promise to take care of us, if we just go down that path, they never quite deliver what they promise. What if it is possible that things like forgiveness and reconciliation are both harder and more satisfying than things like revenge and retaliation? To discover how to deal with the aftermath of what you have done to someone else or what someone else has done to you, we're stepping into a brand new series today called Time to Make Up. Time to make up. I have a deep sense that this could be one of the most powerful and challenging series we've ever done in our history here at Epic. And I mean that sincerely. So here's my ask, or let me give you my encouragement, then I'll give you my ask. My encouragement to you is stay with us when it gets hard, because I believe that your freedom and your healing are on the other side of what right now seems impossible. Here's the ask that I do want to give you as we begin this series. Will you keep, you'll see it on the screen, will you keep yourself open to whatever God wants to teach you, even if it leads you to do something you promised yourself you would never do? 
And for the person who's like, I don't want to say yes to this, so you just, you just make that a prayer, okay? You're not even ready to answer it. Just seriously, I'm going to give you like 20 seconds. Just, God, would you help me stay open? Even if I hear something I promised myself I would never do. Will you keep yourself open to whatever God wants to teach you? Even if it causes you to do something you promised yourself you would never do. Uh, let me tell you the genesis of this series. A lot of times when it comes to teaching series, it's because of what God has shown me personally. Or uh, as I think about a, a calendar year of preaching and teaching here, we, we, we like to think about how do we cover a variety of topics. And there's always something we're going to do in the year that's going to have something to do with how we relate to each other. But uh, this did not come out of my personal study. This did not come out of I heard this other person talk about this concept and I thought we should talk about it. This series was birthed out of numerous conversations with you all over the last year or so. People telling me about their own relational conflict or pain. You told me what people have done to you. In some cases, you told me what other people, uh, what you had done to other people. And here are some of the stories, and I'm not going to give, of course, any names, but some of you told me that you're now estranged from your parents. Others of you told me that you used to be really best friends with your sibling, but now you're no longer talking to her anymore. Some of you let me know about a former best friend who's now become your number one enemy in life. And others, even in this church, I know you're thinking this church is perfect, but even in this church, others have told me how they do whatever they can to avoid seeing someone else in this church. They're praying for the church to grow, but for different reasons than I'm praying for the church to grow. This is a person who um, you, you come to 930 because you know your enemy comes to 11, and you leave before the last song in case they get here early. Too strong? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make jokes that are like got a lot of punch behind them, okay? So like you can laugh and feel convicted at the same time. Listen, I cannot imagine everything that you have walked through I do know the pastoral stories I've collected and our team has collected over the last 12 years. So I know a lot of your stories, but I still only know a fraction of all the stories in this room as our church continues to grow, as well as our online presence growing. We're thrilled that you're here. I uh, met a lot of you for the first time. So I don't know you. I don't know your story. While I cannot imagine everything that has happened to you or everything that you have also done to other people, I want you to know this. I believe everything we're going to teach in this series is for everyone and it's for everything. I do not mean that myself or the other teachers in this series are going to be able to provide you all that you need over these seven weeks. There's going to be therapy involved and reconciliation meetings and a lot that's going to have to happen outside of this room. But everything that we're going to teach, I believe, is going to be for you and for everything that has been done to you and everything that you have done to someone else. I do have to say this. Um, I'm always looking for resources, but this one has been such a gift to me. This book is called, uh, it's by Tim Keller. It's called Forgive. Why should I and how can I? I got this like I buy lots of resources to help me with something I want to learn, and in this case, to help me with something that I want to teach. But I got way more than just something to help me teach you about these principles. Tim Keller has written this book, and God has used that book to do a deep work in my heart. I wholeheartedly recommend the book. I was just showing Shauna before I walked up here. There's, there, are, there, there are four different uh, appendices at the back of the book that just tell you, here's how you do all of this stuff. And so he has helped me tremendously. And there's a central text that I think we've got to frame the entire series in. And so with week one of the series, I want to give us that text. It's found in Matthew chapter 18. I want to ask you to stand with me. And I want you to see, we're going to be in a lot of text over this series, but for today, this is the text that I think not only intros the concepts we're looking at over these seven weeks, this is the text that 
text that provides the absolute framework for everything that we're going to discover over these weeks. So Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or your translation may say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant, same servant, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This from Jesus, all of it. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Sounds easy, yeah? Have a seat, and let's see if there's a way forward or if Jesus was just, you know, telling stories to tell stories. Peter asked Jesus a question that lets us know Peter's making an assumption that many of us have as well, and here it is. We assume there should be limits when it comes to forgiveness. I'm guessing everyone of us in this room, there's some point at which we just go, enough is enough, right? It's too grievous of, a, grievous of a sin against us, or it is done in too many times, and there we just assume what Peter assumed at this moment, there should be limits when it comes to forgiveness. And just so you know, Peter thinks he is radically generous when it comes to forgiveness. He's like, I'm going to throw the number way up there. He's like, I'm going to, okay, like, what's the highest number I can think of that would sort of blow Jesus' mind and put me in good standing with him? He's like, up to seven? Now, before you hate on Peter, I want you to know that he really was being generous. The dominant teaching by rabbis at this point, by Jewish rabbis, right, who trying to follow God's ways, all the things, the dominant teaching at this point is that you were to forgive your offender up to three times. So Peter really is being incredibly generous with his forgiveness capacity, at least he thinks so in his mind, and he does what a lot of us do when we want to know how we stand with God. Rather than ask what God wants from us, we just make sure that we're better than the person beside us. And we're kind of like, I kind of like the rabbi's teaching. Anybody else? I mean, don't we even have a saying that I'm going to let you finish three strikes and you're like, yeah, three's been, I'm good with three. And Peter was good with seven. And Jesus says, 77 times or 70 times seven. Now, for the person who wants to geek out on which number he meant, you're missing the point. 
That's not the point. Here's the point. Listen closely. The point Jesus was making with the number he came up with is this. There are no limits to forgiveness in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. There are no limits to forgiveness in the kingdom of God. You're like, Ben, I don't care about that kingdom. I've got my own little kingdom, and we are going to do somewhere between three and seven. Not quite Peter. Not a little bit above the rabbis. Why is it so hard for us to fathom the concept that we should forgive everyone for everything they've done, however many times they've done it to us? You want to know why it's so hard for us to fathom it? Here it is. Most of us assume God has limits for how many times he is willing to forgive us. That's why we can't grasp the concept, because we know that God has a range of sins that if I kind of wade into that range of sin, all bets are off, or we've all had that habitual sin, and we've done it 24 times, and maybe he forgave us, but I know the 25th time, I probably don't stand a chance of being forgiven again. The reason we can't fathom the idea that there should be no limits to our forgiveness to the people who've done something to us is because we believe God has limits when it comes to us. So Jesus does what Jesus always does. He tells a parable. And parables were used by Jesus to tell a story that everyone would understand to depict what life was like in the kingdom of God. And usually in the story, there's a God figure in the story and there's an us figure in the story. And so he starts off, he says, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And there was this one servant who owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. And you should be wondering, is that a lot or a little? A bag of gold, which the NIV uses, is the same word in Greek that is translated in other places, a talent. A talent. Now, not a talent like gifts and talent, like a sum of money. So the servant is like a, a day laborer. And what you need to know about a talent is a talent would equal 20 years of wages for a day laborer. So let's just do some math. And again, there's a lot of math in this. And the point of the fact uh, of the numbers that Jesus mentions is, is to make a point that you really don't need to do the math on. That's what he's saying. So let's assume that this servant worked 100 years, which he wouldn't have lived that long. And if he had lived that long, he wouldn't have worked 100 years. Everybody with me? He would have earned how many? Come on, everybody. Look up. How many talents would he have earned if he had worked 100 years? Five. He owes 10000 What's the point? The point that Jesus is making is that this servant owes an astronomical number that's not even worth doing the math on back to his king. What's the point of this, Ben? The point is that Jesus is trying to tell Peter and tell me and you that we owe an astronomical debt that we will never pay back to our king. That's the point. And then the story gets better. The servant does something that is super interesting. He begs for mercy. He says, please be patient with me. And then he makes a promise. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Guys, there is no way in the universe that this servant will ever pay the king back. The king isn't dumb. He knows, it's not like he's sitting around going, oh yeah, maybe we'll charge, I don't know, 5% interest, and eventually I'm going to get rich off of this. 
The king knows there's no way the servant will. And how many of us have done that with God? I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this other thing. The king knows that he's never going to be paid back. Now, again, going back to the story, the king originally was going to put the servant and his wife and his children, he was going to sell them into slavery, which was common. That's how you would pay a debt back then. And the debt was so much that the guy being a slave alone wouldn't be enough, so the wife had to become a slave, and then the children would have to be a slave, and they would be property of someone else. And the king knows that if he's going to let this guy go, he's never going to get anything back. You see, um, forgiveness is always costly. Forgiveness is never dismissed or it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is never nothing or it's not forgiveness. It may be some other things. You may sweep it under the rug and pretend and numb yourself and whatever. But for forgiveness to happen, the one who is doing the forgiving must absorb the debt. The, The king... For him to let this guy go means that he's going to absorb the debt. And then Jesus says the servant, he was let go by the king. What do you mean? Then he wasn't put in prison. He wasn't made a slave. He didn't say, hey, you're going to keep working even for me. He's like, you're free to go. And so this servant who's now free to go goes and finds a fellow servant that owes him the equivalent of one day's wage. One day. He chokes him. Pay me back. And the same scenario happens, right? Down on a knee, begging this forgiven servant, please, I will pay back everything. And this forgiven servant, forgiven servant, puts the other servant that owes him a little bit in prison until he can pay it all back. What is Jesus trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us what I've titled the message for today. Forgiveness is a two-way street. It's never a one-way street. Forgiveness is always a two-way street. Now, Jesus says that I mean, it gets pretty, it's a pretty graphic parable. Would you agree? I mean, let me just remind you how it ended. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? In anger, the master handed him over. And the master is who in the story? Yeah, it's God. Just to make it clear, Jesus says, your heavenly father will treat you the same way. Now, at face value, Jesus seems to be saying that if you and I forgive each other from our hearts then God will forgive us. That, that's, that's how the plain reading of the text is. But let me tell you at least two reasons why that can't possibly be what he means. The first and biggest reason is that goes contrary to the whole of his gospel message. Are you with me? Let me just give you a few places, and these will be great reference points. I might even not quote them all right myself, but I want to just show you that we know Jesus can't mean that. Right? I mean, John three sixteen. for God so loved the that he sent... Okay, we don't have to finish the rest. So God did it out of love. It's not like, oh, we, we forgave each other, and here comes Jesus. Okay? Um, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you've been saved, and this not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So we know when Jesus says forgive, and then you'll be forgiven by your heavenly Father, he doesn't mean that because everything else in Scripture is telling us that the central message of our Christian faith is that before we loved God, he loved us. Before we could do anything for God, he did everything for us. The second reason why Jesus can't mean that is this. If you and I are going to forgive everyone for everything they ever do to us, we need supernatural resources to do that. What do you mean? Only Christians have the Holy Spirit living in them. If you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, I want to claim that you do not have the resources necessary to cover all that's going to be done or has been done to you already. You, you need more resources. You and I need supernatural resources. And the big point that Jesus is trying to make with a parable, and listen closely, because everything else we do after today, we're going to do a lot with the horizontal stuff uh, between us and each other. But, but what he's trying to say today that we often, and Peter didn't quite understand, and it's this. Here it is. You owe way more than you are owed. Say it louder so those in the back can hear it. You owe, I owe, way more than we were owed. What's the example he uses? A day's wage compared to whew, an astronomical number that I can't even think about in the moment. You owe way more than you are owed. I owed way more than I am owed. And when we receive in our minds the forgiveness from God and we withhold it from others, Keller says, here's what we're doing based on this parable. He says, we're all servants acting like kings. And I know right away people want to go, but Ben, you don't know what I did. You don't know what they did to me. We don't know what we did to Jesus. Keller also writes that forgiveness then is a form of voluntary suffering. You don't have to forgive, but if you choose to forgive, you are going to suffer. Because to truly forgive means you have to see a thing for what it is, and you have to be willing, just like the king in this parable, to absorb the debt that someone else owes you. And what Jesus seems to be claiming, and this is why we have to start in this text, is that if you can't forgive each other, no matter how big the sin was, no matter how often it occurred, no matter if it was the people who were supposed to love you and raise you, no matter if it's the man who told you that he was going to be committed and faithful to you forever, if you can't forgive everyone for everything, either one of two things is true. You don't know how great your debt was before God, or you do not know how great God's mercy was to cover your debt. So here's a question I want to ask, and you might think the answer is a subtle difference, but the difference is massive. Here's the question. Are you merely inspired by the price Jesus paid to forgive you, or have you truly experienced the full forgiveness Jesus is offering you? Are you merely inspired by it? Are you like, man, I'm moved. Some of you, even last weekend at Easter, you were moved by what we covered but that hasn't moved its way into your heart, mind, and life. Are you merely inspired by it? Or have you really experienced the full forgiveness Jesus wants to give you? To illustrate this point, I want to show you this. That's a beautiful waterfall, isn't it? Anyone inspired right now? 
No? I can be 100 yards from this waterfall, and it is inspiring. I'm taking photos. I'm saying to my wife, oh, my goodness, it is inspiring. Wouldn't you be inspired 100 yards away from that? But friends, it is something very different to be inspired 100 yards away and to go sit under this waterfall and let it wash over you. That's the difference. Are you inspired by the sacrifice of Jesus or have you sat under the waterfall of his mercy? Then what's the difference? The difference is life and death. The difference is I moved emotionally and something else has moved into me and now I can forgive the people who did the worst things not because it's easy but because I've been forgiven for the worst things. His mercy washed over me. When we first met Peter today in our text, he had a low quotient for abundant forgiveness. Would you agree? Or maybe I'll say it like this. When we, when we met Peter earlier in Matthew 18, he thought he was crushing it. You ever been there? You thought you were crushing it, and God's like, hey, but what, what about this? I'm like, God, look at me. And he's like, Ben, that's not good math. You did the math wrong. You need to show me your work. I'm like, yeah. When we met Peter, he had limited space in his life for abundant forgiveness. But between that moment and the end of his life, some things happened. Peter, one of the inner three, one of the ones who was summoned by Jesus to do the really special things. Peter, along with James and John, I mean, he got to see the transfiguration. He was invited to pray with Jesus in the garden when Jesus' soul was overwhelmed with the point of death, like Will taught us on Good Friday. I mean, Peter was there, and he's the same one who says to the other people, I do not know this man as if I've never met him before. And when he sins in that massive way, he begins to weep bitterly, and he doesn't know what his future is. But when Jesus dies, he's buried, he rises from the dead, and he meets Peter. And he lavishes mercy and compassion and grace and love and forgiveness, and Peter's slate is wiped clean. But now Peter has an amazing understanding of this forgiveness. And Peter's no longer asking about seven times. Let me give this to you. Take it to heart. 1 Peter 4.8, same Peter, not a different Peter, same Peter. I want you to remember where we started, and I want you to see where Peter comes to. 1 Peter 4.8, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a, a multitude. This transformation can happen to you. Right now, you're like seven times, but you could be a person. When you see what he did for you, you go, oh, this covers all of it. That leap is possible for you. But if you don't understand the cost of your sin and the penalty that was paid for you and the forgiveness and mercy that is here to wash over you like that waterfall I just showed you, then you will be a person who forgives to a point and then you will tell other people, that's as far as I can go. But when you see how far he went, you know there's no place you can't go because he has gone all the way to meet you. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. Listen to this. When they hurled their insults at him, he's writing about Jesus. Give me that word. He did not. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body 
on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Forgiveness, then, is a form of voluntary suffering. And should your argument be, Ben, Jesus was put there by evil men, I would say yes, comma, and he claimed he could have called angels to get him down from there. But he didn't so that he could absorb your sin and even the sin of those who are hurling their insults at him. By his wounds, you can be healed. A lot of horizontal stuff coming, but today we're just going to keep honing in on the vertical part that we have with God. If you are a person who deeply needs forgiveness, welcome to the club. And it's a club we all sit in, from the youngest to the oldest, every man and woman and boy and girl, every one of us who's done lots of religious stuff, and those of us who walked into church for the first time in a long time and are very irreligious, all of us who have some track record with God, and those of us who have blown it in a royal kind of way. If you're a person who deeply needs to be forgiven, I've got good news for you. There's enough mercy. Listen to me closely. There's enough mercy for everything that you have done and everything that you are. Everything. There's enough mercy from Jesus to cancel your debt. And can we just shoot straight with each other? If he canceled the debt that we owed, wouldn't that be incredible news? Anybody else? It would just be incredible news. I mean, in this story, when the king cancels the servant's debt, that's incredible news. I mean, the guy, his wife, his children were about to be sold into slavery. That is beautiful news. But Jesus, in real life, very different from the parable, he doesn't stop at canceling our debt. He welcomes us into the family. And that's much better news. So what I'm going to do in just a few moments, I'm going to invite our band to come up and lead us. You have heard the truth of Jesus' mercy today. But that doesn't guarantee you've ever sat under it. So let's bring the image back of the waterfall. Here's my prayer going into today and, and what I'm praying right now in real time. You don't have a heart if you're not inspired by the cross. But inspiration from the cross isn't going to be sufficient. And whether tears come with this or they don't come with it, those tears won't be enough. You've got to be washed by it. Have you had the mercy of Jesus watch over you to receive complete forgiveness and be reconciled to the God whom you have sinned against? That's where Jesus says we have to start any series on forgiveness. Would you pray with me? As our team comes up, I want to actually, I'm going to ask you to stand unless you feel like your prayer posture needs to be one where you're seated. And um, th this altar is open as, as, as the Spirit begins to, I pray, affect what you've heard today.
You don't have to move anywhere, but um, if you're a person who realizes today, you, you, you thought you had been impacted by the cross, the forgiveness story, the mercy of Christ, but today you realize there's a gaping difference between being inspired by the sacrifice of Jesus and actually coming under the mercy that wants to wash over you. Um, I'd love to pray for you. You can come to the front. I'll pray for you now. I'd love for this just to be received by you today. Anyone who would just raise a hand today with no one else looking around, just say, hey, I, I think that's me. I think I've, I've been inspired by it for a really long time, and I thought I was kind of in on it, but the truth is, because I can't forgive other people in my life, I'm wondering if I've actually ever sat under his. Anybody that I would just be able to pray for today with this reality? Yeah. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and actually affect in us, our hearts and our minds and our very lives, what we have known perhaps for a long time before today or we've heard today for the first time. Jesus, thank you for this story, this story that brings conviction, this story that brings confusion, this story that initially has us questioning, really, no limits? But when we discover that your forgiveness over our sin covered us fully because your forgiveness knows no limits, Perhaps that transformation that Peter experienced would be what we could experience today. God, before we even begin to think about who we might need to forgive or who we need to be forgiven by, I pray that this central truth, that it would just wash over us. So Holy Spirit, for the person who has had a distant look at your sacrifice and it's been inspired, I pray that they would actually experience it. Full mercy over every sin. Debt canceled, welcomed into the family. Would you affect this in us right in this response moment? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This altar is open. We have a chance to do business with God and really ask ourselves, have I said under it? Have I said under it or have I just gone, wow, that's really, that's, that's inspiring. The difference is everything. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.